Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. As you've already heard, we're launching uh, a new series this month in the lead up to Easter. Uh, Miracles are normal. That is a statement on our core values. And uh, for some of you who've never maybe uh, encountered that as a reality in your life, you might find that difficult to believe because maybe you've never seen a miracle. And yet it's really challenging and, and important that we don't develop a theology about who God is based upon the absence of something. But we come back to the truth of, of God's Word and we say, okay, in light of what God's Word reveals, how should my experience line up with the Word? And so I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 8, verse 14. I'm going to read through to verse 21. And uh, I, I just pray, I, I preached this uh, passage late last year and I just felt the Holy Spirit said to come back to it because there are some new things in here I want to share with you today. The Bible says in verse 14, now... They, that's the disciples, had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? I want to speak to you today on the subject, the miracle mindset. The miracle mindset. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, uh, it's important we understand the context before this discussion. Jesus has just performed a miracle of multiplication. The Bible tells us that 4,000 people had gathered to hear Jesus teach for three solid days without food. You know that you're hungry for God's Word, you're hungry for an encounter when you go without food for 72 hours and you say, God... Uh, come and feed me, come and speak to me. I think it's a tragedy and a travesty that in the modern church, uh, some believers uh, can't last 30 minutes of teaching and preaching because, you know, uh, we need to get on to the next appointment, next activity. I understand we're all busy, but one of the things I pray for is that we would be people marked by a hunger and thirst for God, a hunger and thirst for the Word of God. Uh, Wayne Cadero, a pastor of New Hope Church in Hawaii, went and did five days of ministry in the underground church in China. And for five days straight, 10 hours a day, on a uh, solid, hard, concrete floor, believers gathered together without food during those 10 hours to hear the Word and be taught. And uh, at the end of the five days, uh, Wayne, uh, Pastor Wayne Cadero said, how, how can I pray for you? And they said, oh, pray that we become like you in America, the American church. And Pastor Wayne Cadero said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray that we become more like you. Maybe not in terms of 
the issues surrounding the reasons why they were underground, but in terms of a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God. Let's be a church, let's be a people that are hungry and thirsty for the things of God. And so into this uh, situation with multiple thousands of people, Jesus has compassion. And the interesting thing is, is that compassion became the doorway for the miracle. Compassion became the catalyst for the supernatural to break out. And when our hearts are broken by the things that break the heart of God, we become candidates for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. It's not based upon just how you feel. It's not based upon trying to hype yourself up into some sort of hyper-faith reality. But when you are moved by the things that break the heart of God, it's right there in that moment that God can use you as a conduit of His presence and His power in your life. Here are the disciples. They're overwhelmed by the need. They are in a desolate place. There are thousands of people. There's no Baker's Delight or or Guzman and Gomez Mexican takeaway to sort of feed the masses. What are we going to do, Jesus? And the disciples are focused on the problem, whereas Jesus is focused on the solution. And it's so important that when we begin to talk about miracles and normal, that we understand the miracle mindset sees solutions where others see problems. The disciples see 4,000 people, seven loaves and three fish. We have a problem. Jesus sees the same things and sees a solution. You know, over the last two years, a lot of us have uh, been through one or two problems. Our city, our nation, the world, and it seems to be ongoing right now with what's happening in Europe and everything that's happening across the earth. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of obstacles. Over the last two years, many of us who've encountered these problems and obstacles, though when you begin to see it from God's perspective, you begin to realize, hey, maybe this is an opportunity in the midst of all the restrictions and dynamics to grow closer to Jesus, to spend more time with Him to discover and go deeper in our prayer life, to read through the Bible, to learn some new skills and some new things that we've never learned before. And it's those who uh, have applied themselves in the season of restriction and limitation that often come out and catapult forward. If you struggled over the last two years, don't be ashamed or condemned. I found myself in one or two moments, maybe times 10, where it was like, good Lord, what on earth is going on? How are we going to get through this? And every single time I confronted a problem, the Holy Spirit invited me to see it as an opportunity. If we are going to see the miraculous break out into a normal part of our lifestyle, we cannot get paralyzed by our problems. We've got to become expectant for God's solutions in our life. Because every time we encounter a problem, it's an opportunity for God to show himself strong on our behalf. And so the next time you encounter a problem, whatever it looks like, ask the question, Holy Spirit, what, whom do you want to be for me right now? What do you want to do? Because when you're going through lack, the issue isn't the lack. The issue is God wants to show you that he's your divine supplier. 
When we go through issues in our body to do with sickness, the Bible says you're going to go through tribulation in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Being a Christian doesn't mean you don't have problems. Being a Christian doesn't mean that everything's just champagne and roses and it's all, you know, Valentine's Day every day of your life. We all go through, in fact, I would suggest sometimes you become a Christian, problems get worse. Has anyone found that? Why? Because now you're a target. So can we just speak the truth here at Numa Church? Sometimes following Jesus is actually challenging because of the dynamics of the spiritual warfare that we encounter. But when we face these tribulations and problems, we discover God is enough. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in weakness. God wants to be something for you today that, that, that is a contradiction and a paradox to the circumstances that you're facing in your life. And even in the midst of the most difficult issue and challenge that you're facing, His grace is sufficient and He will show Himself strong on your behalf. Now, you would think that the disciples would learn from the miracle of provision that they just saw, but like us, they quickly forget that Jesus just multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And in verse 14, now they'd forgotten to bring bread. They had only one loaf with them in the boat. And then in verse 16, it says, they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Think about this. The disciples are arguing, discussing, and, and talking about the lack of bread when the bread of life, Jesus himself, is standing in front of them. And he's just performed a miracle. And they're one, not even one chapter later, in the same chapter, squabbling over the fact that they've got scraps. And any person knows that a, a boat filled with blokes and one loaf of bread's not a good thing, Right? Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger or thirst. Too often as believers and as people, we're fighting over the scraps when God says, I've prepared a feast for you. What does Psalm 23.5 say? It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, even on your worst day, when you've got your critics surrounding you, when, when there's all sorts of darkness and challenges and issues coming against you, you need to remind yourself that God has prepared a feast for you. He's prepared a table before you. There is a seat at the table of the marriage supper of the Lamb for all eternity. And you don't have to wait to access that feast until, you, you know, your, your body passes from this life and you go into the next. No, the moment you confess the Lordship of Jesus and become a son or daughter, of God, you began eternal life. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. You have access to the feast of the kingdom of heaven, the feast of the presence of God, the feast of the word of God, the feast of the Holy Spirit, the feast of the family of God. You have access to the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit in your life by the mere birthright that you're a son and daughter of God. So let's stop squabbling over the scrap and actually get a seat at the table because you have access. You can come boldly to the throne of grace because of what Jesus Christ has made available for you on the cross. I heard a father talk about how he, his foster kids 
uh, at their first dinner time in their house started to devour the food that was in front of them because they'd been in environments where there was a lack of food. And so forget cutlery, they've just got their hands into the casserole and their hands into the sausages and they're just getting their devouring. The biological kids are looking like, what has just blown into this house? Because they grew up in an environment where there was never any lack and they know, hey, there's always going to be food here and there's always going to be what we need. And so when you and I carry an orphan spirit, we approach life with a lack mindset when it comes to our relationship with God. We turn our relationship with God and our prayer life into Oliver Twist, begging, hoping, wishing that somehow, sir, would you please give me some more? And we live with an orphan mentality and we wonder why the miraculous is not accessible. I want to tell you today, you need to know who you are in Jesus. Psalm 37, 25, David said, I've been young and now I'm old and yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. You're not a beggar and you're not an orphan if you belong to Jesus. You're a son and daughter of God and you need to know what the Word says about what you have access to, what is available to you. Begin with Ephesians 1. You've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We're seated with Him in heavenly places. These are not just nice platitudes that you can pay mental assent to. They're spiritual realities. They're truth. The Word is truth and life to your spirit and to your bones. Some of us maybe need to come and do our Identity in Christ course at our Numa College. Why? Because one of the most important things that you and I need to grow in after we are saved is our identity as sons and daughters of God. It will determine whether you access the supernatural or whether it's shut off to you because it all comes back to mindset. Is this helping anyone today? Miracle mindset approaches earthly realities from a heavenly perspective. You would have heard of the saying, maybe so, that person's so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly use. I think sometimes the opposite is true, that we can be so earthly and carnally minded, we're of no heavenly use. We're supposed to approach earthly problems from a heavenly perspective. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're living from the kingdom of heaven in the earthly realm. The Bible says you, are, you live in this world, but you're not of this world. Sometimes we can be of the world, but not really even be in it. And so we're, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're misplaced value system. We have, have thoughts that are carnally aligned to how the world operates, even though our spirit has been regenerated, the greatest change, the greatest transformation that takes place after you become a new creation in Christ Jesus is in your thinking. It's in your mindset. People who know their identity in Christ know they have access to the fullness of heaven. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also graciously give us all things? I want to say something to you right now that you need to lay hold of. And that is this. Once God gave us Jesus, 
you've lost every right to begin any thought process with lack. That'll set someone free right now. Why? Because if he didn't hold his very best from you, if he gave everything that heaven had, its very best, why are we to doubt that he would not look, not look after our practical personal needs? If he has given us his one and only son, for God so loved the world that he gave his very best, how will he not also look after us and supply us the things that we need in our life? Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit and good things to those who are? So any thought process that begins with lack will have to be repented of because God can't do anything with that thought. Nothing of substance in the kingdom of God can be built on a mindset of a beggar's mentality when it comes to our prayer life and our relationship with God. Jesus said to the disciples, who do people say that I am? They said, some say this, some say that. He said, who do you say that I am? Because it's your personal revelation of Jesus that determines what he builds in your life. It's not your parents' faith. It's not your pastor's faith. It's your faith. When we stand before Jesus on judgment day, I'm not going to be standing there with you to say to, to vouch for you. They're, they're really good. Just let them in, Jesus. They're really good people. I will have to give an account for how I've watched over your soul. And the Bible says to, to sort of let me do that with joy and not groaning. There's a partnership. Too much has been given, much is required. We who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I will have to give an account, the leadership team of this church will have to give an account to God one day for how we've stewarded your soul, what we've taught, how we've lived, the example we've set or not set. You will have to give an account for your life. And depending upon the motive for your works and the motive for how you follow Jesus or how you've lived your life will determine whether it's burnt up or whether it is something that lives on for all eternity. When you start to get a mindset as a son and daughter of God and and a brilliant view of who God is, an accurate view according to His Word, it not only changes your prayer lives, it changes the the sort of dynamics around access to the supernatural life. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't come to the pastor and say, well, you've got a title before your name, so you know, and we feel sorry for you, so we'll, 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 we'll let you have a pass, and you just will move in signs and want. No, he's looking for people who operate by the principle of faith and who understand who their God is and who they are. Daniel 11 says, those who know their God shall be mighty and be strong and do mighty exploits. It comes back to your revelation of who God is. Romans 8, 6 says, The mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. You see, the miracle mindset begins every thought process with fullness, not lack. Verse 17, Jesus said to the disciples, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? 
What is Jesus doing? Whenever Jesus confronts the disciples' thinking and the Holy Spirit convicts us in our thinking, it's not to shame us, it's not to punish us because that's not the heart of God. It's to actually train us to think like Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, my ways aren't your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts, so are my ways. So if God's ways are going to become our ways, His thoughts have got to become our thoughts. There's got to be a divine exchange. There's got to be a process of renewal that we go through. And one of the common questions that often Western believers ask is, well, why don't we see more miracles in the modern church? Well, there are various answers to that question. One of the answers I believe Jesus gives us is that we've developed a hard heart to the things of the Spirit. If you scoff at the statement, miracles are normal, could it be that you've got a hard heart? If your default response to talk of miracles and supernatural is cynicism and complacency, could it be that you have a hard heart? There was a lady last week who approached me at our east location as I was ministering there and in tears at the altar, she came and she was confessing the hardness of her heart and how her heart had become hardened to the things of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit in her life. And she recognized that there was a time in her life where she was more on fire for God than she was today. And she recognized that over the seasons of life and the wounds of life and the issues of life, her heart had become hardened and she started to distance herself from that place of faith to believe for the miracle working power of God to show in her life. And she wasn't just identifying it in her own heart. She was recognizing that in the wider body of Christ, in a, in a culture of convenience and complacency and comfortable Christianity, that at times we have become distanced and hardened in our heart towards the things of the Spirit. And I want to say to us as new mature keep a tender spirit towards the things of God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Why is it that after all that King Saul did in the Old Testament, he was rejected by God, but all that King David did with all of his issues and his adultery and his murder, God still called him a man after his heart. It was because of his tender spirit. It's because he was quick to repent it was because he had a broken and contrite heart before God. It's amazing how far God will take you if you have a soft heart and a broken and contrite spirit. But when there's hardness of heart, you open a doorway to bitterness. When there's hardness of heart, the enemy gets a foothold in your life. When you let the sun go down on your anger, you get a hard heart. When you don't forgive, you get a hard heart. And when you shut yourself off to believing in the miracle working power, of God. This relationship with God becomes a religious list of rules and regulations. That becomes very impersonal and it becomes powerless. And it's not what God has designed for us to walk in. Is this helping anyone today? Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and in Matthew 4, 17, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the word repentance, as we heard last week from Dr. Alan Meyer, is the Greek word metanoia. It speaks of a change of mind, a change of heart. In other words, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here, but if you're going to access it, it's going to require a change of thinking. 
going to require a change of heart, which means we have an active role to play in the process of moving further and further into the fullness of the kingdom. What is the will of God when it comes to the kingdom of God? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we're going to access the will of the Father, which is the kingdom of God on planet earth, then our minds need to be renewed to what the kingdom is about, to the truth of the kingdom. And the best example that you and I can get of what relationship with our heavenly Father is like and of what the kingdom operates like is to look at Jesus. We are to follow Jesus' example. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He preached the good news. He bound up the brokenhearted. He set at liberty those who are oppressed. He served suffering humanity. Don't become disillusioned by all the scandals that are going on in the world. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Our faith is not in man. Our faith is in the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm not basing my future in, 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 in my ministry or my future as, a, as a, a Christian based upon how someone performs or doesn't perform in their ministry or leadership role. My faith has a future because it's based in the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. What are you building your life upon? Is Jesus your model? Is Jesus your example? Or is the issues and chaos of the world and it's all, it's all so overwhelming and bad? Well, just read the end of the book. The Bible says it's going to get worse. But guess what? You're on the winning side and you're going to spend all eternity in victory. And there will be a few challenges and a few things. But Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless church. He's coming back for a victorious church. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't need to live out of a spirit of fear. But you need to be reminded about who you are in God, what is available to you and what God has called you to do and how you learn that is you look at Jesus. My most primary important responsibility is to keep pointing you to Jesus. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a big responsibility. But to every life group leader in this room, to every team leader, to every pastor, to every staff member, that is the charge. That the world is to imitate us, believers, as we imitate Christ. And the only way that that can happen is not just that you say a prayer and get saved, it's that you have your mind renewed. You don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may be able to discern God's good, pleasing and perfect will. There's no point praying, God, what is your will, if you haven't first renewed your mind? Because then what happens is we begin to treat spiritual leaders like shamans and witch doctors who will perform their magical incantation in prayer and somehow reveal God's will when the Holy Spirit, the anointing that is in you, wants to guide you and teach you all things and lead you into truth. And so we're not teaching you to be devoted or dependent upon leaders. We're teaching you to be devoted to Jesus and actually be equipped for what God has called you to do 
and to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can support, we can equip, we can disciple, we can lead, but at the end of the day, you got to go to your own well of revelation. you got to build, your fire is your responsibility. It isn't mine, it's yours. But as you come into a posture of renewal of your thinking, you'll begin to think like God. And when you're on the job and it's all gone pear-shaped and you're in the doctor's room and it's all gone pear-shaped, you have access to supernatural supply. You have access to the truth. And if you know the truth, the Bible says, it'll set you free. What are you building your life upon? Jesus warns us against two mindsets that will deny us access to the power of God. So it would be remiss of me, and Jesus is very clever, funny that he's a son of God. Uh, It would be remiss of us to talk about how do you access the power of God and not to look at what will shut off the power of God from your life. Jesus addresses it in this passage. Two mindsets, political mindset and a religious mindset. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. One was a politician, the others were religious leaders. Now, when Jesus uses that term leaven, it's it's a metaphor for worldview, paradigms of thinking, mindset. And so, just as in the natural and in cooking, heat will activate whatever leaven or ingredients is in the dough, so too the pressures of life will always reveal whatever paradigm you approach life from. Have you discovered that when everything's going well, you're you're singing songs and you're proclaiming good things and when everything goes pear-shaped, it's like flesh just comes out and you go, where did that come from? Oh, it's been lurking there all all along. It just, you needed a circumstance for it to be seen for what it is. And we've all been there. Don't look at me so holy and spiritual. We've all been there. I've been there just like you. But it's in that moment that we're not to be ashamed and condemned and, oh, this doesn't work. It's to go, okay, what needs that God? What do I need to repent of? What needs to change in my thinking and my heart to come into this new creation alignment and reality that you've made available to me? So 11 is a worldview and a paradigm that's revealed under pressure. Well, The leaven of the Pharisees, a religious mindset, basically says this. I believe in God, but I don't have personal intimate relationship with Jesus. And so my belief in God is cerebral, it's mental ascent, but it's impersonal and powerless. That's religion. I follow the rules and the regulations. It's very legalistic because I think that in the rules... I will find eternal life and I'll find relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, hey, come to me first. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then these commandments that I give to you are going to be far easier to follow than if you're just simply trying to follow a bunch of rules and regulations. And the commands aren't to bind you up. They're to set you free to not be a slave to sin but to actually be a slave to righteousness. And so a religious mindset, how many people you know believe in God, but it's impersonal and powerless? I believe in a God, I believe in something, I believe in God, but there's no personal witness. So there's no power, there's no life in that. The second mindset, the second leaven, is a political mindset, a political spirit, 
which doesn't mind you having belief in God. Just don't bring your faith in God into the public space and definitely do not allow your faith in God to determine the decisions that you'll make in your life. It's not allowed to be central. Why? Because after all, with enough education, we've got all the answers we need to solve all the problems that there are in the world. And I just want to pause and go, how's that working for you? How's that going? Because last time I checked CNN and Fox News and Channel 7, Channel 9, wasn't going too well. And it's amazing. I hear it all the time. With more education, we can solve the world's problems. We are the most educated generation that has ever lived. And we've still got problems. Because we actually need more than just education. We need a saviour. We need the truth that will set us free. I praise God for education. Get as educated as your brains will contain. But all I'm saying is, at the end of the day, the religious leaders were educated beyond belief, memorized the first five books of the Bible, and they missed the very person that the Scriptures pointed to. You can be educated, you can have it all work out, and miss the very person that is the key that will unlock the doorway of salvation to you. We need both. But I tell you, when you come to Jesus, it's amazing. He fills you with that spirit of wisdom and, re- and revelation to help you know the hope to which you're truly called. Both of these mindsets are motivated by the fear of man. The fear of man can never access the power of God because it doesn't believe Jesus is enough. It actually believes that we've got the answers. And we're more worried about what the world thinks than what Jesus thinks. And that makes the devil scared. And so that antichrist spirit that comes into the earth to wage war against the church doesn't want the church to put their dependence and trust and faith in the lordship of Jesus. Wants to put it into the worship of man which finds its root in the adversary of our souls. And the Bible says in Romans 14, 23, whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. The leaven of the kingdom is in contrast to both of these mindsets and and it simply is this, is that faith in Jesus is central to life and relationship with King Jesus determines everything about how we're to live our lives. You see, the miracle mindset believes God can do more with little than we could ever do with much. And Jesus demonstrated this in verse 19 when he says, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? What's Jesus saying? He's saying, When I fed the most people, I started with the least amount of food, but I ended up with the most leftovers. Why? Because little is much in the kingdom of God. Starting with more is not an advantage in the kingdom when you think like God. When you think like God, all you may have is a vision, a word, 200 churches, go and do this, go and do that, very little resource in your hand, but you go, that's enough because you and God are a majority in the kingdom of God. When your back's up against the wall and all you've got is your faith, in Jesus and one word, that's enough. Because the Bible is filled with examples of this truth, the jar of oil that never ran out, the ravens that 
fed the prophet with bread, the five loaves and the two fish to feed 5,000, the water that flowed out of a rock, the, the gold coin tax in the fish's mouth, the spit and the mud that was used to open blind eyes. If God can take spit and mud to open the blind eyes of a man, He can take the little of your life in your hands and He can use it to do much in you and through you. We belong to an upside down kingdom where miracles are based, listen to this, not on how adequate you are or feel, but how sufficient He is. It's so important that you understand that until you acknowledge your inability to do anything, will you access God's ability to do everything. God only uses us in the kingdom to the extent we feel unqualified. Because it's only those who feel unqualified and are absolutely desperately dependent upon God that will ever access the miracle working power of the kingdom. What did Jesus say? I have hidden these truths from the wise and intelligent of this age and I've revealed them to little infants. I'm taking the truths, the gold of the kingdom of God, and I'm, I'm removing it from those who claim knowledge, claim power, claim like they've got it all worked out, and I'm revealing it to people with childlike faith who know that they cannot affect anything unless they remain in Him. It's only as we remain in Him that we bear much fruit. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. So if you're in the room today, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. I'm amazed sometimes. We all still awake? Ready to go for another 72 hours like the 4,000? Someone just like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. We'll be finished in a moment. Sometimes I'm amazed at the people that God uses, including myself. Because I live with me, you live with you, you know your problems. Then every now and then, people let you know your problems. It's very hurtful. We all go through stuff. We all go through challenges. No one's got it all perfectly worked out. And yet in the midst of that, God is so kind and He's so gracious. He opens the mouth. If He can open the mouth of a donkey, He can speak through you. Because all you and I are are donkeys for Jesus. So Eeyore your little heart out. But if you spend your life drinking the cultural Kool-Aid of humanistic philosophy where it's all dependent on you, and what you earn, and, and what you did to work so hard to achieve what you worked out. Don't be surprised if the kingdom of God is shut off to you. Because God can't work with that. Because you're full of yourself, you're not full of Him. What did John the Baptist say? He must increase, I must decrease. It's not talking about your personality. It's not talking about your gifts. It's talking about that thing of sin and flesh that gets in the way that says, I did this. I did it my way. What a stupid song. People sing that and I'm like, you're an idiot. 
What a stupid song. God, deliver us from I did it my way. The heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. You're in a world of hurt if you do it your way. But if you do it his way, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man shall come to the Father except through me. Thomas said, show us the way. He goes, I am the way. So many people are so desperate to search for truth. You just look at social media, there's so many things, courses for this and apps for this and everyone's searching for peace and to sleep through the night and quiet and, and, and to find some meaning. It's all found in Jesus. It's not rocket science, but it is a revelation. And if we would allow our minds to be renewed with the truths of God's word and of who Jesus is, miracles suddenly become normal. We had a lady that um, hopped into an Uber last year and was uh, heading to a medical clinic and was sharing with the Uber driver, they may be here today, about uh, a, a physical need, and issue in their life, they had to get treated. And the Uber driver who attended the church said, hey, you need to get down to that Newman church because uh, people are getting healed. And, uh, you know, there's a prayer meeting and people are getting healed. And she's like, well, when is that happening? He said, right now, there's a prayer power meeting right now. She said, okay, well, let's go there. So she came in got prayed for, got healed. Sunday came back to church, got saved. Then on Sunday afternoon, Kai and I were walking across the road and here she is in her workout gear running down the road with a big smile on her face. Because when you just come with childlike faith and say, God, here I am. Here's the issue. I can't work it out, but I trust you. Your grace is sufficient. Your strength is made perfect in weakness. God shows up in miraculous and remarkable ways. And if you're facing something right now that in the natural you can't see your way through, you can't hear breakthrough, you can't, you've got to come back to the miracles of God's word and remind yourself this is my inheritance. This is my inheritance. Every miracle from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, this is my birthright. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. 
You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.